Welcome back to the More Than Mothering podcast, episode number 12. I'm your host, Crystal Hardstar from The Gentle Counselor, where I specialize in perinatal mental health and parenting support. And today I'm joined with Yvette Knights from Move, Learn, Connect. Now, Yvette is a neurodevelopmental therapist and she has a degree in early childhood education. And I'm so excited for our chat today. We've already been talking for like 15, actually 20 minutes now. <laughs> we couldn't stop. Recording this. So welcome to the More Than Mothering podcast, Yvette. Oh, thank you so much. It's really delightful to be here. And uh, I'm really excited to um, share um, a little bit about what I do and um, hopefully help your guests with some of the things that they might have going on in their lives as well. So I um, started my business 15 years ago. I don't even believe it's that long. Um, my son is 14. So he marks as like it's a year older than him. So and, way to remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I primarily... Um, Well, I primarily work with people, well, from all ages, really, but um, the um, early years, so from three to around 25 is kind of like the majority of people, but my eldest client is 70 and my my youngest ones come through and they're like four or five months old because they're not meeting milestones. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they might not be rolling, they might not be crawling. And what I get to do is help them with their brain development and make sure they have their brain as strong as it can be so that they can meet their potential. And I know like potential is like uh, one of those words, but it's also really important because what what are we capable of? And mm. we're capable of so much more than we ever think. Like I've gone through some times in my life recently. I'm like, there's no way I'm capable of that. And I'm on the other side of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that. And we just need to have the ability, a regulated brain, um, to be able to do a lot of things. If our brain is not regulated, ugh, it is tough. Do you? I'm sure we can all relate to those times where we just feel like we're really stressed and we might be like upset or yelling or mm. like just overwhelmed. And it's I don't know. I don't know about it doesn't you, feel but nice. I think it's nice Mm, mm. and so I wanted to talk about that today and around 90% of the people that I work with um their children um or they themselves are having those challenges and I get to help them with that which is pretty cool yeah it's amazing such an important um role that you're playing in their lives too especially like you were saying that you know word potential but it's true it's imagine what a different environment or a different surrounding or a different, you know, regulated body, which we're going to get into a lot more, like can do for us in those moments. And I think often when we become more aware and self-aware as adults, even then it's hard to tell when you're in that moment, usually it's outside of that dysregulated moment when you realize, oh, that's what was going on. That's why I was losing it because I had the exhaust fan on while I was cooking and the kids were on their iPads and the cat was meowing at my feet for dinner and my husband's like talking on a business phone call. And like, no wonder I I had a jumper on and I was too hot. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I often I realized that I'm like I just needed to take my jumper off (laughs) and then it would have all been fine and I see that with children too you see them and like are you feeling hot and they're like oh and they they don't know that about their system that that their sensory system is not giving the messages that we would like it to so that it tells them that they're overheated and they need to take their jumper off on a Mm. hot day or they need a drink or and so interesting good point because you've made me just remember all the times during summer when I realized all of us were getting a bit cranky I would put the aircon on 
Yes. And then all of a sudden, everyone calmed down a bit. Everyone was fine. <laughs> so our sensory system interacts with our um, fight-flight system. So they all of our systems interact together, but it's just interesting when you kind of pull it apart a little bit and just look at two systems and go, how do these interact? So if we're talking sensory system, we're talking like hearing and seeing and tasting and feeling. So feeling like um, how things like if you have dirty hands or um, clean hands or needing to have clean hands or mm. not knowing that you've got dirty hands, for example. And so when those things get too much, then we get overloaded and then our emotions um, become dysregulated. And when I talk mean dysregulated, sometimes people are like, what do you mean by emotions? Yeah, I was going to say, for the people that don't know what we mean by that word, yeah, yeah let's talk, what so, is dysregulation? Yeah, so that might, it will look different for every everyone. Some people it might be like running away. And they might just run into the other room or they might shut down and not be able to speak. So um, so they might be overwhelmed and then not be able to have that hard conversation or be able to explain what's going on. Other people, it might be that they yell. So they're just, you know, I, I know um, lots of parents have this struggle. I've had this struggle myself as well. And, and mm, sometimes same. I still do, but it's just being aware of it, like, Okay, so yelling. So what happened before that? We always try and look at what happened before that happened because then there's your answer. It might look like um, just, um, you know, throwing things. Like some of the children that I work with throw things or um, just stomping their feet. Um, can you think of other things that it might be? Like what does it look like in um, but people that you might know or work with? Mm, and why I know for myself, definitely like parenting-wise, it gets to that point I like to think of it like a volcano and that's usually how mm. I explain it with clients. Yes. And typically we're talking about anger more as an umbrella term that's usually pointing to some other feeling underneath that, but it presents as anger, which is, you know, for like sure. yelling, for example. And so I think of when you think of a volcano, that really helps you to understand all the things that keep happening and the pressure comes up and up and up. Even that example I gave before, like you're trying to cook dinner, it's hot, it's noisy, the kids that's- are yelling and it just keeps going up, up, up. Or it's like work stress, you've got a deadline, um, you didn't get much sleep last night because the baby woke you up, all these things, and you're teetering on that edge. Yeah. And then you explode. And so if you're constantly at that volcano eruption point, it's much easier for anything that seems small to actually push you over the edge because you're already all the way up there. And if exactly. there's nothing bringing that down, then you're just sitting in that constant space of dysregulation. Yeah. And then just the tiniest things tip you over. And sleep is a really great one. I love that you mentioned that because I'm sure a lot of the families listening to this or the mums listening to this are, are sleep deprived. I feel like and I've I only was... just started getting my sleep back. Yeah. <laughs> and my well, youngest my... is four for context. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. My my children were both three when they started sleeping through the night. And there was like so six years of not much mm. as much sleep as I would have liked. And I wasn't myself. And we have to be kind to ourselves with those situations yeah. and not expect that we're going to be able to do all the things that, you know, we think that we should. Yeah. And we, we could be kinder to ourselves with that. I, I know love that, that I... you mentioned that. So important. <laughs> Self-compassion has to be the number one thing that we need to yeah. learn for ourselves. The thing um, for me personally, when I would shame myself and say, you should stop this behavior or change that. And why did you do this? It wouldn't ever make it better. And the only time that it really started changing when I was when I started talking kinder to myself and I had compassion and it literally started shifting then, which was so weird. Like when you think about that, how is that going to change things? But it did. Yeah, it makes Just sense. Just being kind because 
shaming yourself is keeping you in that heightened state so you're actually staying in fight flight and I want to sort of talk a little bit about that specifically but um, you're staying in this that level like right at the top of the volcano Mm. because you're telling yourself off and so you're um, whereas when you're kind it's like you know you're you're putting a little bit of water and it's like cooling everything off and it's like, oh, yes, and you can start seeing things more clearly and seeing how you can actually change things. So I think that's really important to remember. Yeah, and I think um, in my own journey with learning how to be more self-compassionate, it started when I realised that all of the gentle parenting techniques I was following of validating my child and having empathy for them Mm. and being with them in their feelings, I was like, hang (laughs) on. I should be turning around this advice and doing it to myself. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a huge light bulb moment for me when I realized that. And that was that moment for me thinking, you know, more internally, like, oh, I've come up with this thing to help myself. And then I looked into obviously more with my work as time went on and finding out like, oh, there's a word for it, self-compassion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, that makes so much sense. Like I'm being compassionate to my child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only yeah, took, but... you know, 30 odd years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love Renee Brown's work, which I'm yes. sure you probably love her too, but I love how she says that. And also I hate how, what this, <laughs> because it made me really look at myself more, that our children don't necessarily learn so much from how we are treating them, but how we are treating ourselves. Mm, and it was such a huge big change for me going oh my goodness so they tip over the milk and I say it's okay that's okay you know we all have accidents and we just wipe it up and get the new milk and and I tip it over and I'm like oh I'm (laughs) such an idiot yeah I'm so watching and listening all the time (laughs) and it's yeah they're listening to that they're listening to say I'm so silly I shouldn't have done that and yeah, so we have to be aware of, you know, how we're, how we're doing things, how we're treating ourselves and how they see that, you know, yeah. even with like body image and all of that, we know that about that, that they're looking and listening to us. Yeah, definitely. And I think we forget how much we can affect our children depending on not only the things we're saying or doing, but even like the vibe, right? Like they mm. pick up on our Um, like either our emotions or just the way we're like huffing and puffing or like a sigh or a look. And I'm not sure who else can relate to this, but I'm someone who's very observant of people's facial expressions or tone of voice or size, which I've had to have a lot of conversations with my husband about. (laughs) (laughs) And also to soothe myself and knowing he's not annoyed at me, he's just sighing or whatever it is, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, we know that a lot of that comes from de- depending on the environment and people you were around as you grew up and if you had to be hypervigilant. But I also yes. noticed some of the similarities with my daughter, who's currently six. She is like that. And so if I'm feeling frustrated and I'm annoyed because of something else completely unrelated, if she sees me in that moment with my face looking like I'm angry, she perceives that as I'm angry at her. Yeah. And we had such a big conversation when we had that realization thankfully and and something must have happened where we talked about it and she felt comfortable to share with me and I knew the right questions to ask in that moment to get this from her and so now I know if I'm feeling frustrated at something else I'll be a bit more explicit and sharing how I'm feeling with her and I might even 
like put my hand on my chest and be like, I'm feeling a lot of like heaviness here right now, or like yeah. I'm clenching my fist and I feel sweaty and I'm, and I feel frustrated and my face is frowning. I'm not angry at you. I'm annoyed because of, you know, X, Y, and Z that happened. And she goes, Oh, so you're not angry at me. I'm like, no, not angry at you. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated, but it's not from anything you've done. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay. And then it's like this weight is lifted off her shoulders and she feels a bit more safe in her environment. And I also think to myself, that's also role modeling how she I was thinking that too. with others. If ever yeah. she's feeling that way and that has happened, she'll, she's able to communicate to us. And so I think we forget just how powerful it is to let our children see us be humans. Yes. Oh, it is very important to see, yeah, for them to see us as humans. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to learn that. It's hard because when you have a baby, you don't realize that, you know, things change so much. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, what what it will require and you're learning that it's like this conversation I wrote a whole heap of things down and and it's going a different direction which is better than what it was like what I planned right (laughs) and I think it is better than what you planned but also you don't have an instruction booklet so yeah So Yvette, can you sh- talk us through a bit more with your neurodevelopmental expertise around what <laughs> is actually going on in our brain and our bodies when things like dysregulation or um, emotional regulation, those kind of things are happening? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so we have um, the, a fight-flight system in our body. So um, that comprises many aspects of the brain. And we're not going to get too much into detail. Um, I don't, you can go and look all of that up, but I want to talk so that you know, it's easy to, you know, um, process that. So um, our we have a parasympathetic system and a sympathetic system. So our parasympathetic system, and we can be in one of these at a time. So our parasympathetic system is for rest, digest, relax. And we want to be in this majority of the time because it allows our body to feel calm and we can um, make good decisions and have great conversations in this state then you have the sympathetic um, system and that is um, where we're uh, in a set set um, oh sorry in a state of alert so something might be happened we might need to um, I'm, I'm probably in a little bit in sympathetic now so because I'm, I'm presenting something I have to be aware of what I'm talking about but I'm pretty regulated as well well extremely regulated so it's not like I'm offline or my volcanoes erupted but I'm a little bit more present uh, with what I'm doing my body's probably not digesting my food right now so because I'm not you know um, resting and just having um, a relaxed time so but what can happen like if something um, happened in my environment where it um, made me feel worried or um, set me offline uh, which you know um where oh let's let's use a child as an example so say um you ask a child to turn the tv off and um then they go um end up crying and in a meltdown that would mean that they're in a sympathetic state so their fight flight system is gone offline and they are reacting in anger or upset or distress because you ask them to do this thing and this is really common for the families that I work with. It'll be very um, small things and there'll be a large reaction to that small thing that has happened. And this might last for a long period of time or a short period of time, but eventually they come back down into um, a calmer state, which is called ventral vagal. 
And that ventral vagal state is where we can have social engagement, where we can be curious, where we can be opened, um, settled. And, you know, we want to be in that state, which is a parasympathetic state as often as we can. The um, vagus nerve, um, which it regulates these states, connects from the brainstem through to the colon. So it goes to a lot of our organs. Um, and we, um, some people might have heard before that we, um, our gut is like our second brain. And you see a lot of um, gut issues um, with some of the children that I work with, and that actually causes um, some issues with their brain as well. So, you know, there might be um, gluten intolerance or dairy intolerance or um, like my son actually had a gluten intolerance that we didn't um, know about until he was two years of age. So he had a lot of um, problems regulating his emotions. And of course, he was a two-year-old, so you expect that. But this was beyond what you would expect for a two-year-old um, to be regulated. So, and just wasn't you know we we didn't know how to help him um despite being quite gentle and you know having discussions and trying to do all the things that um you would try to do uh because um this was undiagnosed so you know you start um, working with that and then it regulates so the vagus nerve is really working very hard and it really needs to be mature. So you can have various states of maturity in that system. And you want to be able to go through these systems of, okay, I'm in fight flight, then I'm back into uh, social engagement. I'm, And you want it to go like that, you know, a few times a day, off you go, and you can go in and out of these states quite easily. But what happens with most of the children that I'm working with, they're stuck in fight flight majority of the time. They don't um, bump down into that parasympathetic state where they're resting or relaxing very often. And if they do, it's for a short period of time and it'll be very quick and fast when they're out of it. Like it doesn't take much time at all. I was speaking, I um, do initial consults with families. So they're actually free so that they can just talk about what it is that is going on. Um, I can um, share with them what I could do to help um, if it would be helpful. And um, some of the, well, it's really frequent, the stories of, you know, I just asked them to do this thing and and suddenly they were yelling. And, and some children are at the point where they're throwing things or they're putting holes in walls. Not, not all children, that's probably like 5%, mm. but, you know, it can get to that point where they're just so dysregulated. So we really want... Um, to make sure that that stress state is you're not so heightened all the time because you have so much cortisol in your system mm. it then starts impacting sleep so you can't get to sleep um very easily at night and then children need things like melatonin not that i'm not don't have anything against melatonin but you know they need sleep aids they need all of these different things to help their body to to calm because they're so heightened even when they're heading to bed mm. so um yeah. and you I can imagine how frustrating that must be for families as well, because all you see on the surface level is the behavior, right? And we hear that all the time working with parents. That's all you can focus on is the obvious, which is their behavioral reactions. And And if you aren't um, able to have that curiosity, but I'm also stopping when I'm saying that, because I mean, when you're so frustrated and fed up with things, I'm not going to again, like going back to self-compassion, right? Like, of course, of course, how hard is it to be a parent that's constantly curious, constantly trying to figure out and find the answers? I think that in itself is exhausting as well. It it is. Especially when it's like invisible, like what we're talking about, it's obvious in the behavioral, but it's still like an invisible thing we're talking about because we're talking about the brain. We don't really see that. Oh, I agree with you. The sympathetic system, like it's invisible in that sense that it's not this obvious like red line. 
often have parents and often it's a dad interestingly um not always but they'll be like my child is choosing to do this and I, and I get to have a lovely conversation so that they can understand my child isn't choosing to do this mm. and it's like oh yeah and then the self compassion for the child kicks in yeah. And that changes a lot of things because it doesn't change any of the behavior. We haven't done any work on that. Mm. But when you change your perception of what's happening, that my child is not choosing to do this, they're not yeah. choosing this behavior, that this is happening to them, that turning the TV off was actually that distressing, mm. <laughs> um, that it changes things. So we bring in sort of little techniques like maybe we could put a timer on and say, when this timer finishes and I make sure that it's visual as well. So there's something called visual timer mm-hmm. that you can download. So it's an app. You can get it for your phone. It's on both systems and you just go and it can do it in the seconds or you can do it in minutes oh, in one minute or we're going to turn the TV off or can we play this? You know, we can press, often you can press pause on things nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. You know, um, we, we need to pause this in one minute, but you can come back to it at X amount of time and finish yeah. it then. Because I don't know about you, but I like finishing my show. I was just, you were making me think then how important it is to also be uh, mindful of times you can be flexible. So there are times where my that's happened with my daughter where she might get really upset because I've said, um, you know, it's been the five minutes, like I've given her the warning and it's time to turn it off. And most of the time that works, but sometimes she's... Um, really engaged in that. Yes. And I've had to realize to take a step back and think, oh, wait, she wants to finish this show. Like how annoying would that be if our friend or partner came in and just like turned off the TV and we're in the middle of the episode. I would be annoyed. (laughs) And within reason, like if there's 20 minutes left, I'll be like, I'm sorry, 20 minutes is too long, but I understand like, let's pause to another time. Or if I see that it's a couple of minutes, I'll be like, you know what? The the bath can wait. Like we can wait another five minutes for you to finish your show. And then everyone is happy. And I think that's an important way of also being respectful to your children in that sense too. I agree with that. And if you said that you're going to come back, it's important and sometimes we forget, but maybe mm. set a timer or remind yourself to come back because that's building trust. Yeah, follow through. Know, mm. oh, they they are going to come back to that because, you know, or you say, oh, we said we we're going to come back to this, but we can't for this reason. But, you know, I think mm. acknowledging that. And I wanted to come back to as well, like the parent brain. So when our child is mm-hmm. dysregulated, our nervous system is impacted. So our nervous systems can feel other people's nervous systems. Sounds a bit weird, but it's actually, it's, proven yeah, that makes sense and things done on that so um just think about like if you do come into someone's house and you can feel the environment like you know that they've had an argument or something's gone down <laughs> mm. you didn't you weren't there for it but you can kind of sense it so it's like that but so our t- child is dysregulated we might be like oh we've got to get to work you know what happens if you know this goes on or you know for however long so our system you know we start tipping over and our emotions start kicking into a space where we can't think because when our emotions are offline our thinking brain that prefrontal cortex it isn't active anymore mm-hmm. so we can't actually make good choices we can't empathize we need that skill to help our child yeah we lose access to all those tools yeah we do so I think it's just important to acknowledge that and that sometimes do we need to just walk away to take a couple of breaths and then come back and deal with it to keep our regulation 
Definitely. And putting yourself in timeout is something I talk <laughs> to parents a lot because I, I yeah. do the circle security parenting program. And we yeah. talk about doing time ins as effective behavior and effective discipline with children. And we talk about time in is just for the parent is <laughs> for you <laughs> to remove yourself from the situation, yeah. to go and calm down, whatever you need to do. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that's actually a very valid first mm. step and a first choice to do that can be quite effective. It is. And deep breaths because actually breathing um, helps the, the vagus nerve to regulate and helps our nervous system to regulate. So literally like. Yeah, there's really a reason why that breath. mind-body connection <laughs> yeah. exists. Yeah. So some deep breaths. And I learned to train myself to do that mm. after I was compassionate with myself. And it made a world difference. Yeah, I find most of the time now I can do like what I would call like a harsh sigh of like a deep <gasps> yes. breath in the moment. And it just feels so good to be like, oh, I just don't really that in the moment. <laughs> And yes. also depending on the emotion I'm feeling, because if it's more of an anger, frustration based one, mm. when I'm in that timeout, I'll do progressive muscle relaxation, PMR oh, yeah. technique, where you go through and you scan your whole body and you basically head to toe tense like and then yes. relax each part of your body. And I find particularly for anger, that has been really helpful for me. Or I'll that like scream into so a pillow great. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea. Yeah. All all vagal responses. So like with the screaming. So um sometimes I'll recommend like gargling or um Ooh. for people or singing to, to I like, was gonna say sometimes oh. I sing like I just wish you could listen right now. And then my kids start laughing and I start laughing and <laughs> we just turn into a joke. The vibration of that is regulating. So, you know, like big cats, how they vibrate, like they're, they're purring, yep, but the yep. purring is a vibration. So that actually heals wounds that they have as well. I've so actually heard some healing. interesting things about purring and like the point of it. I don't <laughs> want to get us on a tangent, but yes, I totally yes. get where you're coming from with that. <laughs> I know uh, everyone in bed saying happen. we need to be purring. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. No. <laughs> singing. <laughs> yeah, so no, singing happens, helps and it gets you out of that. Um, like how I just gave the example with my beautiful singing before, it yeah. also brings me into that tool that I rely on a lot of playful parenting. Yeah. When you can kind of poke amazing. fun at yourself yeah. um, and just try to get the tension to come back down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I'll, like, even with my 11-year-old, I'll be like, oh, let's have a race. <laughs> he loves a race. <laughs> I yeah. always lose. I'm way slower. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really don't think I ever to... try to win the race, but. <laughs> I try and win that race. <laughs> I actually I played hide and seek the other day with my kids and I was surprised how much I was giggling, having a delight and genuine enjoyment with it as yeah. well. And it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. That was something I was going to mention when you were talking about the TV thing is because um, you were talking about the timers and something else I found helpful is to find something else to be like a link between that transition. So say you're trying to go from turning off the TV to bath time or whatever it might be. So the other day we just did five, 10 minutes of playing hide and seek. Yeah, so instead yeah. of them being only upset about, oh no, like the TV's going off, it's, oh yay, we get to now go and play and connect with mum. Because I also yeah, know beautiful. that time of night is a lot of me being absent in the sense that I'm cooking dinner and doing all the other yeah. things. So yeah. it was also yeah. a nice way for me to get a bit of connection with them before all that. And I think 
yeah, when you just are able to access those different tools, it can make a world of difference. No, I agree with you on that. Um, and in, interesting um, having that time, but um, um, we call it special time. So like time where you get to have, and you try and do it daily. It doesn't always happen daily at all. But, you know, I'm actually... I don't try and put those parameters on myself of when things should happen. Like I like to do yoga, but I, I don't know how many times it happens a week because I don't want to count that for myself because then it discourages me. So special time happens when special time happens, but it's that um, time where you get to spend with your child, maybe even for, just for 10 or 15 minutes where they get to choose the activity. And it's really great for regulating as well because they have to, your undivided attention. So no phones, no interruptions, like, um, and you can even set a timer because sometimes that was a little bit triggering for me. I just want to acknowledge that sometimes play is hard. Yeah, like I'm an early childhood I struggle with play. <laughs> and I like early childhood expert. I'm not saying I'm so early childhood educator. Sorry, I'm I don't I'm not an expert at anything. Um, <laughs> who is? But um, it's that time where they can just know and rely on having that time for you they know that they're not going to be interrupted and they get to choose it like we built a lego village one time um like that was what my son wanted to do sometimes they want to you know um, my son loves me watching him on the trampoline do tricks now tell me a trick tell me a trick yeah so those yeah. kind of little things can help regulate all those bits for connection mm. yeah and I, I think that's a good point you made about finding a way to make it work for you as well whether that's setting a timer or for me I also if I really don't want to play Barbies, for example, I'll give another suggestion, like let's do coloring in. Cause that's something yeah. I'm more than happy to do. And just yeah. finding the things that are always going to be a yes. Yeah. And then having more patience and kindness on yourself for those times where you really don't want to do it. Yeah. Because, and, and yeah it's gonna I played hide and seek the other day. I'm not doing that every night. No, <laughs> no, exactly. And I think it's important to be real about that because sometimes you just don't feel it. Um, also though, I find that I don't regret when I do those things with them. I don't feel like I ever look back and That's think oh, I wish point. I didn't do that. And yeah. um, I've got to remind myself sometimes of, oh, I never regretted any of that time. Yeah, but I might have really regretted that I did the dishes <laughs> and not. Did yeah. That so then also thinking about your priority list in that moment and what actually really <laughs> needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah. But also, point. I'm happy when the dishes are done that night. Like that mm -hmm. for me, it's, I'm regulated the next morning if they're done. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I can do that and that wasn't always the case when my kids were little so don't even think that for a second <laughs> I wanted to share some a, a story about um one of the children that I work with and I have permission to share this story so I think that's important that people know that but um so um this little one um four, five years old um when she came to see me and uh, mum was going to go on a holiday and um, this wasn't something that was sort of planned, but it just, it ha had to happen. But the child was quite upset getting dropped off at kinder each day, quite upset if mum wasn't around and so upset to the point that it had been a year of upset of every drop off and she would vomit sometimes going to going off to kinder. And it was distressing for her mum. It was distressing for um, the other children around. And it was distressing, obviously, for the child herself. And um, at home, she was like to have things her way. So this is a child. So this is how I like it to be. And this is how I want it to be. And it was very hard to sort of um, come around to other people's ideas of how things might be. 
nuts. Um, she was sort of very minimal with what she was willing to eat as well. So not even willing, but her nervous system was unwilling to be able to process that food. So sometimes <clears throat> when the vagus nerve is not regulated, it makes eating certain textures really difficult. So you end up with um, sort of difficulty with that as well. So the parent came to see me. She explained, I like to meet without the child first because I don't want to have that frank conversation in front of children because I want to know all the nitty gritty details and I don't really want the child to hear that. So um, so we meet without and I got to hear all the whole story of what was what had been happening and then they started working with me after that um, with an assessment. So I do a full neurological assessment, see what's happening, see um, which part of the Parts of the brain are underdeveloped because if they're underdeveloped, then um, you can actually mature those areas of the brain and help with, and that then in turn helps with the functioning. And so they went away and did a home program. So these are neurological exercises. So then they're like massages and fun little things that you get to do with your child. And some children find it fun, some children don't, but I give parents lots of strategies on how to, you know, do them without too much trouble. They take a maximum of 10 minutes each day. So it's not a big arduous task. And um, after um, the first seven weeks, most of those behaviours had just reduced dramatically. So there was, um, she would go off to kinder without being upset um, and mum was going off on holidays and then went off and that whole week where she was away, the child was regulated and was happy to do things with dad and um, hadn't had any of those sort of challenges. So we were- That's we so could, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very exciting for the family because- can you imagine going on holiday and enjoying yeah, that? Yeah, I was going to say, now she really got to enjoy the holiday. <laughs> she got to enjoy that holiday because that would be really, that's really tough. Like that's not how you want to go on a holiday. So, yeah. and yeah, what, what an amazing change that was able to happen. Yeah. And this is fairly common when there's not like, there wasn't lots of challenges for this child. So I see other children and there's, you know, quite complex challenges. So they might have autism or they might have other kind of things and it's not going to be such a quick fix. So I don't want to give any impression at all that this is a quick fix miracle cure. Yeah. It is not. I appreciate um, you saying that. And I think it's important yeah. for everyone to understand that their situation or their child is going, I'm sure you get such a variety. I'm sure I'm no, sure. no two clients are ever completely the same. No, not at all. No. Yeah. But the brain actually operates the same for everybody. Mm. So it's really interesting. So um, so for older children, I'll know that people like children that have difficulties with handwriting will also have difficulties with freestyle swimming because it's the same part of the brain. And they're like, how did you know that? But it's how the same area of the brain. So, yeah. Wow. And we're not talking about that today, but it's just no, yeah. <laughs> other things. <laughs> okay. So, but, so um, just so everyone does have something to kind of, kind of walk away from this podcast mm. episode today is there anything you want to share with people listening are there like a few like one or two strategies that yeah. you think are beneficial to pretty much anyone and everyone absolutely so um so I think and you talk about this a lot like empathizing with children and really um acknowledging how they're feeling and also coming at it from a they're not doing this to upset us I think that that can be you know it's hard to get there sometimes as well because we can you know, it can be very inconvenient <laughs> when these things come up, but um, but coming at it from that lens can just help to soothe us. Um, but things like massage is really nice. Um, rolling on the floor for the child. So um, the vestibular system, which is our balance mechanism, actually 
um, is related to um, how mature our ability to regulate our emotions is. So if our balance is poor, we're likely to, more likely to have difficulties with our emotions. So if you can, um, you know, do rolling on the floor, it can be really regulating and calming for children. Um, if you can um, do sort of massage, um, like sort of deep massage with them, as deep as they want, like, you know, you ask them, do you like this hard or this, you know, um, you can also, uh, I've got a little sheet if anyone wants to download it with um, lots of ideas for play so play is really calming for children and we when my children were younger we always had a making area so that they could go and do making and sensory play accessible so I'd sort of rotate it but also I'm kind of like really into all of that kind of stuff so it wasn't too tricky for me and I know that some people it feels a bit overwhelming with the mess so you can do things that aren't messy as well so you can put um sensory things in like a ziploc bag and I love that um, you mentioned so that messy all right. of our painting would happen in the bathtub <laughs> yeah and that's fine that and was the easiest yeah. way to and you can just wash yeah. that down like yeah. I don't expect that everyone else is going to like all that sort of stuff or or you put it in a tub and um, like I'd have rice or and some people aren't into food but you can use other things that aren't food as well there's lots of things that you can do for sensory play and I've got these ideas for you if you want them yeah I'll definitely have that linked below for anyone listening yeah. if you want to grab that thanks you yeah. that's um, great to have a resource as well yeah yeah so you just put it into a container I love kitty litter trays and you put it on a tarp and then you just put 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 all whatever they're doing in the kitty litter tray because it's just a great size. Nice. It doesn't have to be expensive, does it? <laughs> no, $2. <laughs> and then you take it, like it's going to go everywhere. It's just going to. It's fine. And then you take, you just pick up the tarp and then tip it back in when you're done. Great. I love these tips. <laughs> these are like real life practical tips that we need to be passing on. <laughs> but it helps to regulate your child. So my eldest has autism. So when he was younger, his regulation was really tricky for him so we needed to help him with that because it was hard for him so sensory play was like the best it was very calming and do you know what it gives you like half an hour to have a cup of tea because they are super engaged yeah so. <laughs> I think we forget how um helpful sensory play is and I, I can't even remember the exact wording of it but it was a while ago when I first read about it and someone was talking about giving opportunities for sensory play every like one to two hours yeah, and just sure. watch and notice a difference in your child. And I remember doing that and seeing firsthand the difference it made. And also on that note, sometimes I would join in because yep. we can get to enjoy that experience. It's so nice. Just as much Play-Doh. Yeah, yep. so much fun. Um, little water beads as well. I'm not sure what they're like for the environment, but um, is but it tapioca pearls or something? I think oh, people are using you. as an alternative or as Brilliant. a food safe option if they have yeah. ones that love to put everything in their mouth. You have to be yeah, you have to be really careful with mm. younger children with those. So I wouldn't use them for anyone under seven actually, because you know um, I wouldn't want to recommend that for younger children at all. But yeah, those kind of things. Um, the other thing um that is really wonderful is sensory swings. So um, my children have one in each of their rooms that hangs from the ceiling. Um, some people might have not have that options, but you can get um like you can hang them from beams in outdoor areas if you have that, or get uh like something that you can hang it from, like 
like you, you can yeah, buy like them. Yeah, like those with, things that you do, like a hanging chair. chair like the, yeah, that's yeah, right. Great. But that is extraordinarily regulating because um, they're often made from a sort of an elastic kind of material and they're just sort of comfy and pop an audio book on for the child and it's very soothing. So that can be really nice too because sometimes mm. you just need some defrag time after being in the world. So come home and just have some strategies for some defrag time, so some, a sensory swing or like even um, I sewed up and you could like there's lots of people that do sewing so you can go to like a tailor or something but just getting some lengths of fabric from a fabric store and just sewing one end so it's a tube and so my children loved that was, um, you know, getting in it and they could push against the tube of fabric and um, climb through it. So what just a great idea. like that. Yeah, can be really good. Yeah, well, and it's good to have paper. those resources. Yeah, mm, like mm. I don't know. Again, if you opposed to mess, um, like just put a tarp down. But my son used to love cutting paper, so we have tiny bits of paper just cut up because it's yeah. very soothing to do. Cutting leaves, okay. I think, is the yeah, alternative we did to outside. Yeah. Or I would encourage them to cut the lawn with. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful idea! But they yeah. thought it was great, and I was like, oh, that's and fun. Yeah, see, I'm Yvette. I'm right on with you about finding ways that doesn't make a mess and getting creative in that sense. <laughs> see, I love that. I love this. See, this, you're coming up with tips that <laughs> I just had the paper everywhere. People would come and they'd be like, uh, right. Yeah. This is no, cutting leaves about. or, or, or grass outside. Look, yeah, and then you brilliant. say, look at that. Pat on the back. Sensory play for the day. <laughs> exactly. And leaves are such a good idea. I sometimes use that with children, like pulling them off the stems for like a fine motor activity. Because it takes yeah. like quite and a bit of effort. Yeah. What are those ones called where they have like all the white bits and the kind of way we grew up was you'd blow and they'd make a wish. Oh yes, yes. My yes, kids love yes. doing yes. that. And, and they think, oh look, there you go. Now they're deep breathing. How great! Yeah. Is that? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How many can you do? Exactly. I love that. So there's lots of things like that on that sort of sheet, but things even like um like you know wheelbarrows like you hold on to your child's legs but you yeah. sort of hold them at their thighs really and then they oh, walk on their hands yeah, so yeah. those kinds of activities um and you mentioned playful parenting so like um mm. wrestling um children yeah I think roughhousing roughhouse. is really important actually mm. yeah get so, in there t- rough and tumble for a little bit <laughs> There's a great pillow book. fight. Yes, there's a great book. I might have put it on here actually. I put some of the resources. Um, and it's called Playful Parenting. Um, yeah. Uh, so Lawrence Cohen and I loved that book, and it's in audiobook. My my tip for parents is audiobooks are the best because you can listen to them. Um, I didn't have time to read. I just felt like I'd given that up. So or, everything on audiobook. For yeah, me. audiobooks have helped so much. I think, and I found that. When it comes to like my fictional fantasy books, I rather read them and that's more at night. But during the day, if I'm driving or while I'm cleaning up or going out for a walk or any moments I can, then I'll be popping on headphones and listening to something. So it's great to have another recommendation to add to the list. <laughs> Excellent. And there's one little last thing that I wanted to say is that emotional regulation challenges. I just wanted to read out a couple of things that were what they what else it could look like so it's not just meltdowns or tantrums it can look like lack of a focus or attention splitting from activity to activity socially sort of unable to share distress when others don't follow the rules 
or don't, you know, do what they should be doing or what the child perceives they should be doing um, and the, the reaction being out of proportion to what happened. So, and then being very shy and sort of unable to speak around people, sometimes selective mutism as well, but sometimes it's just they're very, very shy. And that was yeah. um, with that example that I mentioned before, this child was very shy and she was actually able to speak up about what her needs were because often they're not sharing. So I'll oh, do whatever you want. And they start sharing what it is that they want to do, which is really important to be mm. able to have a voice. Yeah. So helpful to have a few other examples of how Elsa yeah. can show up too, because I, th- I, I don't, like we said at the beginning as well, it's not going to look the same on everyone. No, and it's all. quite invisible in that sense that it's not always obvious what is happening in those moments. So it's great to be able to stay, take a step back as parents and really observe and kind of reflect on what's happening. And like you said, what happened before then that may have led up to this moment too. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. What happened? And, and even if children are at school, if you've got school age children, if something, if the teacher is saying this has happened, ask them what happened first? Like what happened that you know, was before this because often it gives you a better picture of what's going on for the child and what their triggers are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just an entire school day can be enough for some kids, whether something specific did or didn't happen. I think school in itself is a a reason. So we try to have quite a low demand household in the afternoons after school. I think that's good. Yeah, Yeah. and I even recommend, like, in the first year of school, try not to do extracurricular activities. I know that seems, like, gigantic, but... They really need downtime. Like yeah. we need to be at because it's just so nice being calm. Yeah, <laughs> but, definitely. You know, it's nice feeling that. Um, the other thing is like um, identifying your own triggers and identifying mm. your child's as well, so that that way you can watch out for. Or maybe we won't do that thing. Like maybe that that game that they play. They're always mm. upset when they come off that. So yeah, I really like that you mentioned even for ourselves because there's been a couple of times where, um. I've so I, I'm shopping or, t- or going out for a while was really hard with my youngest and then I realized I'm just going to not go out for a while and I don't mean that in the sense of stopping my life it no. was more I'm going to make a choice to go to the shops when it's the weekend and my husband yes. can have him instead because there yes. was something setting him off which we later realized was he actually doesn't do too well in loud noisy environments so things like going to birthday parties um yeah at like playgrounds or play centers, but yeah, like going to the shopping center, it was just a little bit too much for him. And now that he's had time to grow and and he's a bit older, we don't have as much of an issue with that either. But at that time when that would happen, that was setting me off. Yeah, And so I couldn't yes. be there to support him or show up or I'd get frustrated. And then my reaction yeah. was in my mind to like blame his behavior like oh yeah. I can't go out because of you and then I of didn't course. like yeah. that yeah. thinking no. that was creeping in and so I was like you know what let's take a step back does this really need to happen probably not <laughs> yeah I think that that's a really great way of identifying it and and get having permission to do that as well I think yeah. sometimes we don't know that we can do that and um yeah, full permission to yeah. identify some of those things. And, and I sometimes recommend to the families that I work with, like just writing it in a notebook book if that feels good to you mm. because you can get a picture of what's happening sometimes when you look back. Not, not if that feels hard for you, but um, but that can yeah be really helpful. Yeah, so helpful. And if, if if people struggle with that as well, I think it's important to seek out help from someone that can help you. So um, yes. even myself as a counsellor, that's something that we talk a lot about in our therapy sessions is trying to get the bottom of 
what is happening and why might this be? And then we get to really go into exploring, you know, looking into things like childhood or how your parents were and how you were parent and how that affects you as a parent. And I think there's many more conversations that can be had, um, not to try to do everything at once, but you are also allowed to take some time for yourself and trying to get to know yourself better. And yeah. it's important to have someone around you to feel safe, to be vulnerable and be held as you're trying to unpack those things too. No, I think that's good. I've done um, therapy pretty regularly. And in fact, I still see a psychologist really regularly. And I, um, I, I count it as one of the things that keeps me regulated and mm. keeps me, um, you know, I, it means that you have someone that can you can talk to about certain things and it's just, yeah, it's wonderful. I'd recommend it to everybody. I wish everyone could have that. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today, Yvette. It's been so lovely chatting with you. Thank can you. you please share with everyone where else they can find more of you? Um, so you can find me on my website, which is movelearnconnect.com. So I am Australian, but I just didn't want to do the .com.au kind of thing. So it's .com, <laughs> movelearnconnect.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not that regular on the social media <laughs> and on Instagram. And there's on my website, though, there's um, a questionnaire. So for adults, for children and for under fives. So you can go through that and um you can see if there's some things that maybe um, stick out to you that I could help um, you or your child with. Uh, and um, my initial consult is always free, but um, I also do online as well. So I see a lot of people in person, but about 20% of my clients now, actually thanks to COVID. So some of the things were helpful. Um, you know, I can see people online now, which is great. So um, pretty cool. That's Thank amazing. So it makes it so much more accessible for everyone too. Thank you for having me. This has been delightful. Thanks, Yvette.